This is the Nook Podcast, and I'm Stephen Murphy. Can you imagine if Joel Osteen was your pharmacist? <laughs> well, here's your prescription, Mr. Wiley. And don't worry about all these negative side effects. We just like to focus on the positive. And that is stand-up comedian Ed Wiley. Do you have your CVS card? Hold it up and say it like you mean it. This is my CVS card. I will get the discounts that I can. Today, I will get a receipt that could wallpaper my entire bathroom. Prior to this interview, I only knew Ed through his clever social media feeds. I reached out just to see if he would be interested in a discussion about his very interesting life. By day, he's a software guy. Simple enough. But at home, he's a husband, father of six kids, and, wait for it, a goat farmer. Obviously, a fascinating mix of things. So maybe a side gig as a stand-up comedian makes perfect sense. Settle in for an intriguing conversation with my new friend, Ed Wiley. I love that you have got such a mixed bag. I mean, like, what do you, if, if somebody asked one of your kids, what does your dad do for a living? What would uh, they say? Uh, they'd say he sits at his computer. I, it, it's, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like I'm that middle-aged uncle who like, you know, did a bunch of stuff. I'm like, what's he doing now? I don't know what he's <laughs> doing now. What's Ed up to out there? He has goats. He's on a farm. I don't know. <laughs> God help him. He went to college. He went to Georgia Tech. He just totally forgot about that degree, I guess. Um, <laughs> so no, I no, I I mean they know they they know because my kids are eight. They're they're they range of six kids. They range ages uh, eight to uh, uh, actually nineteen. Wow. So they 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 uh, you know the older kids they they get what I do. They don't know any of the details, but I work in the software business, kind of doing software architecture by day. If you're not like super famous in comedy, you're, you you got to have a job. Right. And I'm just fortunate to have started later in life because I know a lot of guys who are super funny, guys and girls who are super funny, and uh, they have been doing comedy like that's the first thing they ever did, right? Mm. Um, and they don't have a they they didn't have any other job, so they're just you know this year's been really hard for for them. Oh, you I know can what imagine. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because the entertainment sector's just been hammered. But I just love how often you work goat farming into a tweet. <laughs> it's just like yeah. you just don't meet a lot of goat farmers, and so that as kind no, of a mainstay for you is hilarious. I'm to really me. going for 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 as unrelatable of content as possible. <laughs> That's what my goal is. Well, for whatever <laughs> this vote is worth, you're nailing it. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. At least I've got one fan out there who's into the goat. <laughs> Well, okay, you mentioned what the what the sector has been like for the last year or so. Uh, what does what does that even look like? I mean, yes, you've mentioned that you've got the day gig, but yeah, has comedy all but ceased for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a sh- during I, I guess what I would call like the if you look at the like the COVID numbers, you know, you had like the first spike and then the summer spike and then there was a lull after the summer spike. I did I did slip a show in there, had a mm. show in october with a couple of my buddies that was fine it was great socially distanced um they had the crowd like 30 feet from the you know stage which is kind of funny but uh it was uh it was a fun show you could tell everybody was relieved to be there i was grateful that it you know there was there were no issues with the show nobody got sick after coming to the show or anything like that but i um so this this year has been i mean musicians and, and comedians alike 
um, it has been a wasteland and all of the supporting uh, industries too behind that oh, yeah. audio video. I mean, it, it's just been brutal. Um, yeah. I've had so many friends, uh, especially the freelance folks that I used to work with back in Phoenix, who it's just been next to nothing. And even mm-hmm. as sports started coming back and trying to make something of a season, mm-hmm. there's still, you know, I had guys going without work for months. I, I can only wonder how long that will you know, what kind of a mark that will leave long term. Yeah, there's a lot of there's, there are whole sectors of the economy that that are just hammered like that. Um, a, a lot of folks have turned to Zoom shows. I've done a couple of digital shows like that. Um, I don't really like them because comedy is a it's a dynamic. There's a feel in the room. Yeah, there's a timing that the room like a friend, a friend of mine is a comedian who's also a high school teacher. He said, you know, how every class has its own personality. Every comedy yeah. audience has its own personality. And you get a beat on that pretty quick. And oh, if, sure. If you, if you don't, they'll let you know you don't have a beat on it. They give right. you, <laughs> a comedy audience, you know, an audience gives you immediate feedback as to whether or not they're on track with you. So you adjust. So, I mean, my, my career has been very weird. I started late in life. I was I was uh, right on the cusp of 40 years old when I started comedy. So uh, I've not been in the game that long. I'm still a comedy baby. I just happen to have some really amazing opportunities early on uh, to to do some some pretty cool things. Um, I think 2017 was probably probably kind of my biggest year. I had a video called "If Trump Were a Youth Pastor" mm-hmm. uh, that went viral. That was and that hilarious. was kind of a, <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of wild, man. Because I real I, I that was when I realized like churches from all over the country were called. It was just ringing off the hook. And I didn't, it was like, oh, now I have to, we have to figure this out. And, you know, you try to figure out what, what situations or things where, because a lot of, a lot of times well-intentioned folks, they don't understand like where comedy fits and where it doesn't. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of comedy on Sunday morning. Right. I'm just not. Some And a lot of people aren't. Yeah. And churches will do that and they'll try to mix a message with it. I have goats about, I mean, uh, jokes about goats and meth. And I, it's not, it's not that I feel bad about telling that joke on a Sunday morning. It's funny. It's benign. It's just that people, the Western Christian mind in general, when you sit in church, there's a sense of reverence Mm -hmm. and you're, you're you're just sending people, you're sending, you're sending people on a, on a, on a real ride. So I learned very quickly. I didn't, some people do really well with those. I didn't want to take those. Mm. Um, I enjoyed doing it in churches. I didn't even intend to do church comedy when I started out. Ah. I started out, I, I've always worked clean. I was a dad of six right. kids when I started. I've always worked clean. And the trajectory, really out of my hands, I'm just going to say God opening door, opening and closing doors, how led me in that, that church realm. I just look back for times that I was at the most peace. And those mm. times are when I just was doing the work, whatever that work was at the time. Right. And then trusting God with the results. Okay. Well, you bring up an interesting point that I was very curious about coming into this. Uh, differentiate for me, for, our, yeah. for my friends listening, the difference between a comic who's Christian and a Christian comic. Is that a, is that a fair yeah, question? Yeah, Christian or comic is, there... is not funny. They're not funny. <laughs> They're so Why bad. did you just say that? Just funny. <laughs> no, it's... I mean, you know, were you when you said you started with well, the way you started? You were you were clean to start. So were I started you in a, a club? Yeah, I was a Christian guy. I was like the old dad, you know, who mm. was coming into the club and 
like the first time in my life I was ever offered drugs was in a comedy club. And it's this kid, but I was like 21 years old. He's like, um, he, he told me, uh, dude, man, I'm going to get high. Do you want to get high? I was like, not dude, I am a father and, you're, and you are ruining your life. Cause it was in the bathroom. I went to the bathroom after my set kids in there. And, um, and I, and, and I'm like, no. And he, he says, well, I saw your set. And I'm like, my set was so bad. You had to come in here and do drugs. And he's like, <laughs> He's like, no, you said you had six kids, so I figured if anybody needed to do drugs. Anyway, I said, no, I'm not doing them. Anyway, that's a story about how my big family is working to solve drug abuse in this country. But, um, and but my point is, is that- Thank I, you on behalf of a very grateful nation. Yes, yes. We're working hard for you. Uh, started in, in, in a club. Uh, it's Jerry Farber's side door. It's now the punchline in Atlanta. And I would drive. I lived three hours from from Atlanta. I would drive up there every Wednesday night, usually bomb, wow. and then drive <laughs> home. And I and I met all of these guys who were just grinding it out, trying to figure out the craft of comedy. It kind of reminded me of being back in college, where you're around a lot of people who don't think or believe or live like you. Mm. So I really enjoyed the camaraderie. It just sure. you know. A lot of cool conversations about life and faith and 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 whatnot. So that's, I really loved that um, that kind of time. I did. I didn't love all the bombing. That's brutal. Yeah, I'm sure you take your but, bruises. Uh, yeah, man. But but I really loved being able to be around people who um, did not believe in Jesus, did not come from the background that I was from and to, to have the opportunity to talk with them about faith and life and uh, just in just in like we're working on the same thing our hands are to the same plow yeah we're going and dying in front of the same crowds right you know? <laughs> so it, it's you're kind of down in the trenches you that's the thing about comedy particularly when you get started doing open mics and bars and these b-list comedy club shows you you develop a bond with those other comedians like you've been at war right i mean it's because some, somebody ain't going to make it right. in that set. It's either going to be you or the audience. One, like, you're going to kill or, or you're going to or you're gonna bomb. One of right. the two. So, and uh, somebody's going to have to help drag that guy off stage. Yes. So I guess I never really thought, like you ask, to differentiate between, you know, a, a, a comedian who's a Christian and a Christian comic. I mean, I, I would I would almost call it more like church comedy. There is a there is a market. Oh, okay. Of church comedy. It's a big market. Um, the, probably the biggest names in that market over the past ten years have been people like Tim Hawkins and John Chris. Right. Um, Michael uh, Junior. Michael Junior. Absolutely. Yeah. Anita Renfro. I would like to say that all the people working in that market are Christians, but I've met a lot of people in that market, and it it's just like everywhere else. You meet amazing people who know and love Jesus, who don't ever work in churches. And then you meet amazing people who know and love Jesus, who do work as comedians in churches. And then you meet people who work in as comedians in churches who probably don't know the Lord. <laughs> I mm. mean, only God knows, right? right. Like, uh, only God knows. I think a, I, there, there are, and some of my friends, like, they really see their comedy as like a ministry. Right. Like, they, they, like this is my ministry. I don't, I tell God goat jokes and i do i do non-political impressions of political <laughs> figures i don't even tell a lot of church jokes really right I'm kind of eclectic i'm all over the place um i do enjoy making people laugh um i do believe that laughter when it's not you know when it doesn't have some kind of un um you know inappropriate or or foul message underneath it that 
you know, good, clean laughter is is good for you as a human being. But I don't personally, I don't try to over spiritualize what I do. But now tell me this. Because, again, I was such a huge fan of, of the way that, that this interview started with that bit about Joel Osteen as your pharmacist. It's all um, gone downhill since then. I've really taken the <laughs> energy out of it. The, the, the ability to kind of poke the bear a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if irreverent is too strong a word, because I don't think it is. But I'm sure that there's somebody that would just scoff at you making a joke about Joel oh. Osteen. Oh, my but gosh. There's yeah, an, I have comedy. such an appreciation for that, because I guess I'd like to think that, that somebody who's never heard of Ed Wiley before sits down in a club and you do the bit about Joel Osteen, they can now you've made a connection that you might not have made with a goat joke. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, is it irreverent? Yeah, probably to some people. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot. I just don't have a lot of hate in my heart about these impressions I do. Right. I'm focused on tone and tenor, mannerisms. Um, I, you know, I'm a little older than... You know, I, I mean, I'm middle aged, so my influences growing up were like Dana Carvey. Yep. Right. So I come from that school of you just you just make fun of everybody. Right. right? So it's <laughs> with not, a little bit you know, of good timing mixed in. Yeah, and you're not you're not and you're trying to find your comedic take on this person. No, I'm I'm absolutely with you there. I'm just also uh, I'm I've never been in that school of thought that says that you know there's a certain group of people that are just off limits. And I'm not saying that that means you just line folks yeah. up and hurl rocks and garbage, but I'm just like, should we ever take ourselves so seriously that a comedian can't take a poke at a president or at a guy like Joel Osteen? Yeah. I mean, I just like, I mean, I've done a Biden bit for like two and a half. I have a two and a half minute Biden bit. I don't do a Biden impression. Just some of the things he said were so funny to me because he's an embellisher. Biden is a historic embellisher. If you're Gen X, oh, yeah. you remember, <laughs> you, you know, he's historically embellished things. You know, he's not nearly the character that Trump is. So it's harder to get a comedic beat on him because it's like, like Biden to me is, it feels like, like you, it's like you called your dad while he's watching LA law, you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> or law and order or whatever it's like yeah. <laughs> and he just keeps talking to you while he's watching his tv show that's how biden always sounds to me when he talks i i, I think there is a certain uh i think there is a good thing about ripping on people in authority particularly from a christian perspective and the reason i think that is because we christians have a tendency as a group to idolize people and put people up on platforms that are not in, in ways that aren't good. I absolutely agree. So if we can, I think the best leaders welcome satirization. Yes. They, wel they welcome comedic takes on them because it takes that, um, it takes some of the seriousness of kind of that, that it, it brings them, it makes them more human. Um, it puts, um, it just puts it reframes them as regular people. And oh yeah, anything to level the playing field to know yeah, that we're totally. all in the same struggles. Yeah, totally. And and we're just like that power distance. I guess that's a psychology term. That's not a biblical. That's not a Christian thing. No, that's that shouldn't be a part of the narrative of a, a Christian story in their life. So I think satire. And comedic takes, impressions, jokes, bits, whatever about 
people, particularly people in large positions positions of influence, I think they're a net good when yeah. they're done when they're done from a. I'm I'm just going to say it a good hearted, particularly from a good hearted perspective. I mean, you can be you can just be cruel, and sometimes impressions are just bad. Yes. Like Al, Alec Baldwin's impression of Trump is just not even good. No. Like how did this? Like I'm here. I am dropping names of like uh, <laughs> celebrities. Like I'm somehow better than them. No. The point is, is that that's just like a mock. Yes. You know, it's and it's a there's some this is subjective, but there's a difference between just a flat out mock and a, a a comedic take on a a person. I think there's a a stark contrast. Right. And I think you you will see that immediately in the audience response because a mock kind of hits that echo chamber. It's only going to resonate with the people that are absolutely on board with the mock. Doesn't matter what side of any aisle you're sitting on. Whereas a comic take is going to have a much broader appeal. That's right. And that's hard. Because people are, oh yeah, I'm not suggesting that that, you know, there's some magic pill for that. But I think that you're I mean, you mentioned good heart. That's exactly what I was thinking as you said it, that I'd like to think that because your your nature has just, at least for this guy, again, you, you always come across as just a very good-natured person. So you take a little poke at, at well, wouldn't it be hilarious if Joel Osteen was your pharmacist? You just brought in 90% of your people. There's always going to be that little section as, oh, I cannot believe that you just did that. You just yes. don't make the, he's a pastor. You don't yes, make they, fun of the pastor. They comment on my posts frequently. Oh, do they? <laughs> oh, the keyboard warriors of social media. Yes. I try pretty hard, particularly when doing impressions of people who are political leaders, to not take a side yeah. in my act. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not stumping. You, you make a really good point, Stephen, about how it's easy to kind of holler into that echo chamber. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a conservative or liberal, like just take a hard turn and then just just lean into the caricature of whichever one, and then you can holler into that echo chamber, and you get you'll get half the internet mm-hmm. on on your side immediately. It's more nuanced. Um, when you're in an, uh, particularly when you're in a city and there's a comedy audience, because it's going to be a mix of people. Well, and ultimately, I mean, is it, at the risk of, of sounding it too simplistic, what what is your goal? Whether you've got a, a 15 minute set, a 30 minute set, whatever time that you're allotted on stage on whatever platform, what's your goal at the end of that time with your with that audience? Just fame and world domination. That is what sure. I'm. Really Dude, we are we are so tracking right there. Yes, right there. we are on the same yep. spiritual page. I'm on no. when, when you when you know the the tens of fans that I will have listening to this, <laughs> you'll understand. I will bring three or four people to your page. <laughs> and I appreciate Faithful it. followers. No, man. What is my goal in doing comedy? I, I'm gonna so you you know, we talked about your goals of the podcast. And it's you know keeping it real and 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 whatnot, man. I have struggled with that. I love doing comedy. I started doing comedy because I I had, I believed it was a better fit for the way that I was naturally wired than anything I'd ever done. And God took me through a long series of like health problems and and various situations to remove a lot of fear I had that made mm. it possible for me to even take a step and do it. Oh wow. And that's all it was when I started. I didn't think I would ever uh, 
get to do things like tour with Anita Renfro or have a national televised set on the Circle Network, hmm. uh, which is a, the, the Grand Ole Opry's uh, network that they launched yeah. this year. I did not think I, – I've gotten to do comedy with people I was fans of before guys like Johnny W., super funny, Brian Bates, super funny. I was fans of those guys and saw them live before I was even doing comedy. I've gotten to do shows with them. That's awesome. I'm, I mean, I'm super grateful for that. Um, I, I think my, my, my goal in a show is I want to leave people lighter than they were when they got there. I know for me, if something really gets me laughing, I mean, really gets me, um, it doesn't matter what's going on. It, it is, it's, it, it's not just a reprieve. I mean, it's like healing in a way. My mind and soul, and that's mm-hmm. and I and I do and I don't want to over spiritualize it, but I do believe that that tracks with a biblical understanding of um, joy and loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, I, I, I want I, I genuinely want people to leave lighter than they were when they got there, and I want us to kind of all experience that together. So that's my goal in a show. My overall strategy and career goal, I have <laughs> no idea. Right. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to compromise time with my children. I, I, I take my kids with me. Um, one thing that um, it, whenever I can, I have a daughter who's a singer. I have a daughter who's a fiddle player. We have bits we do to close out the show. Oh, nice. Um, we did that at the show uh, in, in Tennessee back in October. Um, closed out our main on my set with that. So taking my taking a few of the kids with me who are interested in this kind of world has made all the difference. I made that decision in 2017. I was on the road after, after that Trump video went viral, I was going just to show after show after show. I remember doing a show near Chicago. I opened for Anita. I drove through the night to Kentucky. And I, I, when I finally got home from all of that run, I was like, I I don't want to do this. I'm away from my, how did this happen? Mm. I was I had my hands up going, this is great, but how did this happen? I, I want to be with my family. So I made the decision. I was like, I'm going to take one or more of the kids with me. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do it anyway. So I'm not, I'm not going to sacrifice my family at the altar of any career, whether it's technology or comedy. Yeah, like that's, that's a huge. Given. And I had enough of a taste of that moment that it's not healthy, dude. Oh no! When you, when you get millions of views on something like that, the the attention you get is not healthy, and and it's and it's so fleeting too. Because everybody everybody who's had anything go viral or wants something to go viral, just calm down. There are there are videos on the internet of rubber chickens squeaking the word squeaking Africa <laughs> by Toto yes. that have tens of millions of views. Just because you went viral doesn't mean you're any good. Exactly. It doesn't mean you're going to have a career. No. That doesn't. So you have to just do the work and trust God with the outcome. And I mean, that is really, you will not have peace otherwise. You will get in this grind, this I'll see you at the top grind, and it will mm. eat you alive. And you will slowly see. And I've, I've watched this happen to comedians who have had um, a rapid ascent just in yeah. the years I've been doing comedy. It'll eat you up. And then you then you find yourself doing this thing that you love, but the reasons you got into it, you're not even you don't even you can't even taste that, feel that, sense that anymore. And as a believer, right. if anybody ought to have joy in their work, it's a believer in Jesus. 
I am so glad that Ed had some time. I hope you enjoyed that nearly as much as I did. A couple things stood out to me. The first one being, what a great reminder that a good, clean laugh is good for you. Uh, Yeah, I had a good, clean laugh a few times there. It made me think about Proverbs 15, 13. It says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Well, I hope that this leaves a cheerful face for you. And the second one, do the work and trust God for the outcome. That will preach. I think that applies no matter what you're doing at work or at home, whatever it is. Do the work and trust God for the outcome. That's part of why I started this podcast in the first place. I left a link for uh, Ed's Twitter account down in the show notes. I hope you guys give him a follow because it's just good for a good chuckle all the time. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, would you please share it with a friend? If you're not a part of our Facebook group yet, come on and join us. That's facebook.com slash meetmeinthenook. Facebook.com slash meetmeinthenook. If you're listening to this at Apple Podcasts, would you please take a minute and leave me a good review? It really does help get the word out. I just want to leave you with this blessing from Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue it until his work is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Thanks for spending some time with me here in the Nook today, and I will see you next time. The Nook Podcast is a production of Sozo Digital Media.